0: A dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state of the art equipment and techniques rogerstein crash repairs saved my car it looks brand new fast friendly and reliable i wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle don't let accidents slow you down visit rogerstein crash repairs adelaide at 14 penner avenue glind for quality service you can count on and here's a special offer just for our listeners mention this podcast and receive a 100 dollars discount on your repair Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Flashbacks. Flashbacks. Past players. Past legends. Past legends.
1: Tonight, uh, we welcome Tim Weatherall. got to admit, Tim's a pretty special person in my life as a mentor and friend for a long year, a large number of years. So, Weather's uh, 253 games for Sturt, 66 for Nord, 311 overall. Um, playing at Sturt, uh, in terms of the premiership side, obviously in 2002, won the the Beaumorton medal in, in 02, runner-up three times, 98-99-01. Of course, the Marjorie Wisheeds in 2002. Advertised the team of the year, 98, 99, 2000, 2002. Play-life member at Sturt. Then he ended up coming over to Nord. Came third in the BNF, runner-up in the BNF in 2009. Played in the grand final in in 10. Um His 300th game. We will get to that. Pretty emotional day down at Alberton. Um, but welcome aboard, Weathers. Privileged to have you on board, mate. Oh,
2: cheers, mate. Thanks very much. It's, uh, yeah, it's... Uh always great to sort of um yeah you obviously talk to people about your footy it sort of seems like a long time ago now but yeah just read and hearing and hearing you read that stuff out now yeah it's um yeah it's interesting to hear back
3: mate uh, 300 games is fantastic but we've got to go back to the start mate where did you start your junior career where did you uh, play it
2: um, I was an Adelaide Hills boy playing for the Bridgewater Raiders up in the Adelaide Hills there. So, yeah, I grew up in Bridgewater. and you In know,
1: fact, we could even go back earlier than that, Pete. <laughs> I have heard a bit of a story yeah, about this. this no, yeah, Tim, playing
2: career started
0: at Bridgewater, yes, that's for
1: sure. but he was mascot for Adelaide University. And, of course, Adelaide University, famous for every person having their own individual number. So Tim was a half, and then he'd grown. As we know, Tim's, Tim's young. Know, an extraordinary tall human being. He'd grown that uh, by next year. So his so his mum made it. To, he was three quarters <laughs> the next year.
2: Yeah, true story. <laughs> so, yeah, mum, 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 knitted me the great black and white jumper when on my first year there as a mascot, and uh, um, yeah, had a half on the back. And then the next year, when dad was coaching the A grade boys' era, I still remember those days as a young kid, as I'm sure you would do, Malky. Um, yeah, down at the uh, down the pub and. Hold your bowlers and all those sort of things, and yeah, it was a great way to grow up as a kid. So I was always going to end up in footy somehow, but uh, yeah, they were some of my earliest memories of football. is definitely at the yeah, at Adelaide Uni, but then yeah, obviously the playing playing started up at um up at Bridgewater. There, Dad always tells a story that um yeah I think it had to be um had to be eight to play footy. I think it was, it was something something on those lines, and I was four, I think. Um, so I went down my, down to my first training, and the coach said, "Oh, how old are you?" dad told me to tell you I was eight. <laughs> so I, <laughs> and so he said, all oh, right, I'll believe you dad. So I played in that playing. I think it's four year old in the under eights, when I was, wasn't old enough, but um, yeah, no, I had, um, I had some great memories playing up there and uh, you pro- probably started, you know, under you know, on the eights all, all the way through to see your junior Colts there. And um, then I ventured down to PAC as a student and sort of started playing school footy there. And obviously living in the Adelaide Hills, a very strong sturt zone, um, yeah, and so my pathway really did lead, lead to Sturt, and, and so sort of that's how, how I ended up there. Did you Why, barric,
3: did you barrack for Sturt as a, a young fella?
2: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely was a Sturt boy. Obviously living in that lad hills, yep. I also had a bit of a soft spot for Norwood. Uh, my my grandpa played one or, one or two games out there, and so there was a little bit of a connection there. And um, a guy called Richard Anderson, who probably not the yes, greatest Ligridic. known Norwood yep. footballer, but through the university days, dad dad sort of coached him, and I guess. I think like a lot of people when you're growing, up, if you know someone playing playing footy or playing at any any area, just it gives you that bit of extra interest. So I remember Richard Henderson playing as a as a little kid, and he he was playing for Nord. and um yeah, so Sturt's support, but always had a little bit of a soft spot for Nord as well.
3: And uh, how did Sturt get onto you? Was it just through one of their recruiting drives, or uh, did they identify you and and get you out to an open practice session?
2: I think it's purely through those, the old pathways those yeah. days. I think, you know, being Adelaide Hills, um, Bridgewater kids, like, you know, Sturt was our local zone. So I started down in the under-13s. They had the, the the old special squads, they used to call them. So mm-hmm. had the under-13s and 14s and 15s. And, yeah, so I just sort of, you know, started that pathway initially, probably through Bridgewater, probably nominated me, I suppose, as a kid. And um, I sort of I won won the, the male medal up in Adelaide Hills in the old junior colts in the early days and, um, so probably identified maybe through that way through the hills and yeah, but then you know went through the 14s, 15s, and you know the real stuff started under 17 level back then. And yep. Um, then obviously with the school footy like like it still is now today, I sort of ended up playing first 18 for a few years at Sturt. I um, mean sorry PAC. Um, and then my first year out of, out of um, out of school, I was still only 17. I was a young sort of year 12. Um, started off in the senior senior cult to under-19s at Sturt. and mm-hmm. I think I played about the first six games in, in the in the um, under-19s and I sort of progressed up into the reserves, played about 10 games of reserves. This was 1995. Um, and I played my first game against South Adelaide down at um, Norlunga, my first league game, and ended up playing the last five games of 1995, um, which is where the sort of careers started. Yeah.
1: It- so, for, so from there, where you know, Weather's, you establish yourself pretty quick. Really, that you came through. By the way, I'm not surprised that Mick uh, did use that line to say that you're under eight. That, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me whatsoever. Um, from from there, though, Weather, so you establish yourself pretty quick, and you really then were just a consistent player for Sturt there for a long time. Um, you know, just bang, consistent performance. And, of course, Sturt went through some hard times, mm-hmm. some real hard yep. times, and you know, it looked like the doors were going to be closed at one stage, and it was really within a bee's dick of
3: being closed. Were the then, players uh, aware of that?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, as a, my first year, that 1995 season, that was the year we didn't win a game um, mm-hmm. as a club. And obviously, being a young – I was only sort of 17 and a half, 17-year-old kid, like I was so thrilled to be playing league football um, I guess that that excitement probably yeah. I guess hid hid those sort of overall results. Like as a kid, you're just trying to find your find your place at that stage. And um, yeah, so '95, you know, you know, didn't win a game. And then obviously this was sort of when Phil Carmen just came in. And um, I think from my point of view, Phil really he stuck with a core group of players, and we had a really good group of you know some senior players and your Bruce Lennons and your Chris Threadgolds at that stage. And you know, over the coming years, um, Phil, you know, believed in us and he you know got some amazing recruits and you know, Damien Squire and yep. he came across and Brody Atkinson came across who two of my greatest mentors through my period there. And you know, then you had, you know, Dean Wooson came across and you know, we managed to get some, some really good players from other clubs as well who were probably near, you know, half towards maybe the end of their careers and and then yeah, Phil stuck with us and yeah, I definitely do remember those days when, you know, the back of the advertiser, they had pictures of Sturt and Nord and, you know, mm. trying to pick a team from those for the AFL when that was the yeah. rumour at that stage coming into the AFL. And then, then obviously, then, the you know, the possibility of Sturt folding and then, you know, again, combining with Nord and the SAFL. And, yeah, you know, it was definitely played in your mind. And um, one of my greatest mates, Ben Nelson, I met always, obviously, he's his old man, Sandy, had a lot to do with the, you know, I, through his era, that, that group of guys through that era really did stand up and, you know, you know they probably showed the way I think and led the way in you know making sure that we didn't fold and you know I think the, the Sturt Footy Club you got a lot to thank from that core group of players through that time.
1: Also, we better add too that at one stage it looked like cricket could, could have been the go. Weathers could seriously bowl a leg break. They turned a bloody long way, and his dad's a very good leggy as well, and. And state state junior sides with Bass and Simon Goodwin, um, yeah. So cricket yep. cricket was a distinct possibility at one stage.
2: Oh, it was probably you know probably my number one sport to be honest until I was probably twenty, um, or maybe not twenty, but you know through through junior grades I played in the old state caps as a footy side. But then you know didn't make another state footy side after that, and um, yeah, cricket was I sort of played you know state under twelve, stayed under seventeens for two years stayed under 19s, mm. you know, played a second 11 game. I guess my pathway was definitely looking down the cricket, cricket way. And I think like, like in those days, you know, cricket and footy were the two sports for a lot of guys. And yep. obviously you mentioned Nathan Bassett and people, we played in the state under 19s together. And, you know, Simon Goodwin is a little, little left arm opening bowler. Who's, he, he was smaller for me in those days. And, <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we had some good, good sort of, um, you know, guys who just love playing sport, um, And I guess back those days, there probably weren't the opportunities in cricket that that there are these days. Um, And the way I looked at things back then, I think there was, say, 45 players on an AFL list. There was, you know, I think 14 or 15 teams, whereas cricket, you basically had to be in the best 11 in the state to really, you know, play at that, you know, that top level. And to me, it was probably a numbers game. In the end, I sort of thought I had more opportunities through football. And um, yeah, I, I was still playing a bit of A grade cricket when I was playing league football. And I think it got to that stage where I think the grand final for cricket was the first round of SNFL footy and it just didn't make sense to play a full season and then have to then choose not to play in a grand final or, or miss a league game. And so, yeah, so at the end of 95, when I just made my league, sort of started playing league footy, cricket was, you know, loved, 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 love love cricket still love do love my cricket. Um, but, yeah, I think the opportunities to me at that stage looked better in footy, so that was probably what the decision came.
3: Who who are you watching in the cricket these days, mate? Who's who's the player that uh, gets you up off the couch and uh, jumping up and down for joy when they're yeah, when they're well, going well?
2: <laughs> I think a young lad called Jake there's um, so a yes. little Jakey, my um, <laughs> yeah, he's a, a young Darwin lad. So he's my my dad's brother's son, and so obviously Jake's a Darwin lad, and he came down and boarded at PAC when I was teaching there, and um, I've obviously followed his career really closely. Being a, being obviously, you know, a cousin and you know family member, it's um, yeah. Me and my whole family love going to watch him play in the Big Bash League, and obviously for the through the through the Redbacks through those periods. Um, I I'm can honestly
1: to... say, Pete. So I've gone to a Shield game and and South Australia fielding, and I am just pissing myself laughing because Jake was fielding square leg. And the ridiculous mannerisms to say that Jake and Tim are identical is ridiculous. And it was. It was just like watching a junior Tim out there. It was uh, – and it's funny when Tim, you know, mentioned Simon Goodwin because back then you had um, Tim, Tim's dad, uh, Tom – Simon's dad, Terry, and Weather's, Weather's uh, dad both playing for Paynham Yes. And – They're the old days in terms of, you know, you're in the bar afterwards and let's be honest, if uh, Mick took wickets, he would quite often be the last person there. And we used to joke that we'd go around and and, uh, change the, uh, muck around with with Mick's car to adjust the the bolts and all that so that Tim could drive home. It was a bit of a standard joke, (laughs) but yeah. So you actually spent a lot of time with Goody as, as kids, didn't you?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And then we, we both sort of started our uh, – he, he played cricket at Sturt as well in, in all those under-14s and 16s. Yeah. And um, with our footy part, footy footy never really crossed paths. Um, you know, as, you know, the Simon Goodman story is an amazing story, which is you know obviously amazing that, you know, he was probably really was a cricketer as well. And, you know, he sort of – Oh, you know, he, he could the Crows, And uh, he, he just grew late. and um, Yeah. But no, we started our uni, 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 university as as teachers together down under. The ice. I used to drive to Simon's house on a uh, on a daily basis. We catch a, you know, he'd drive me down to uni, and yeah, spent a lot of time with Simon through those sort of early, late teenage, early early twenties, and yeah, I've I run into Simon a few times, and yeah, he's he's a great fella, and you know, yeah, as great to how the, the success he's had as well, and but no, yeah, we as as we mentioned earlier. We definitely grew up, you know, around Payton, Payton Cricket Club, and and with the, with the parents knowing each other, and yeah, so that's um yeah definitely still love the cricket. I still go to the, every Test match I can get get my, get myself to, and um, but yeah, obviously, footy was my pathway, and you know I've got no regrets with the decisions I made, and um yeah I look back and you know really really pleased what happened in my footy.
3: So moving on, obviously with the footy, uh, you made the nineteen. Did I read the nineteen eighty nine state uh, Sapsaza team?
2: Ah, uh, yeah, that was a, a, a amazing sort of amazing, amazing sort of. Um, I guess my first and only ever state footy team I ever made of all things. But um, yes, yeah, had some good players there. Little Michael O'Loughlin was in that team, and he was. Uh, yeah, he, he was a little funny little fella back those days. Um, yeah, he was probably the most. I guess the player who went on. To amazing to do amazing things. Um, yeah, we went to Wollongong um, and we ended up winning the Australian Championship. So yeah, that was a great memory and yeah, some, some great um, great memories from that. And yeah, obviously, really, I mean, only from, from a personal point of view, my two I, I had four daughters in the end, and my young twin girls just got selected in the state under twelve girls team last week. So um, so I guess it's done full circle. and Now my little two will get to go and do do the same thing, hopefully.
3: Absolutely.
1: So, to then with weather. So you moved on with with Sturt. Keep going, and then we get to the '99 and and geez, the so nilly, but an under an under fabulous Phil, and it's really interesting with with Phil. Like, let's be honest, he's been a journeyman in his footy career. You know, changed clubs often yep. due to his actions and all that. But it's interesting that he considers himself a Sturt person, which. I think it's a pretty big tick to stir in that day, and what what then uh, developed from that era. And ninety nine was so close, mate.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, as I said, Phil was my Phil. My my career started with Phil, and my first seven years were where with Phil Carmen. And um, yeah, I I I could never ever speak more highly of what Phil did for me and and for the footy club. Like, um, yeah, some some funny stories, like stories which. Yeah, which is just Phil Carmen's stories, and he was just I I personally probably didn't really understand how how much of a superstar he was, and until one one sort of pre season we went over to Collingwood and he took us to you know obviously Victoria Park over there, and we have walked in there and you know these current players and you know old board members just looked at Phil Carmen and his name was on the wall, and just the way they spoke about him over there, it was just amazing to see you know I've been Melbourne you know how highly regarded he was and um, but I mean I mean many of you would have heard and last year he was the guest of the Asana at that luncheon and you know, he spoke so highly of Sturt in that yeah. time and that was uh, I'm sure that's what you're referring to Malky, when he, when, he, when, you, when he thinks back to his career his time at Sturt's probably probably one of his, one of his best memories of the time he spent and um, of the the friends and mates he made out of that time.
1: And look, as a player, I will still say Carmen is the only person that I consider the equal of Robber and Pure Repurability, but White Line Fever ruined that. So that shows yeah. how highly that you know. Obviously, I saw him as gnawed as a kid and all that as well. And yeah. and back then, yeah. 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 back yeah. then too, Carmen, o, uh, Robert Odie and Neil Craig used to train up at uh, the the hockey oval at Parkinson up the top when I scored yep. for Kenzie as a kid. And they've often said that Carmen, Carmen and Craig were the two fit, fittest footballers in the country. So Carmen, when he went to Collingwood, said, oh, about coming over to Collingwood, he's gone, well, it's not as professional as Norwood. Yep. So, yeah, yep. people just didn't sort of that blew people away.
2: Well, he I mean, as, I mean when you talk to anyone who played for Sturt during the Carmen period, the, probably the, the greatest memories, or maybe not the greatest memories, was this, the Friday morning run. So he... Yes, he was the head 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 of security at St Peter's College. So we'd uh, we'd meet at Phil's house at quarter past six every Friday morning during pre season, and even during season sometimes. And we'd race from his house down the little lane behind St Peter's. Yeah, we'd hit the Torrens. We'd race down to the weir. It's about just just under five k's, I think it was. And um, and it was a, like we'd race. She, she was flat out. And um, I reckon for my first two years, Phil beat everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're talking, you know, guys coming off AFL lists and Phil, Phil was, was running fast and we were trying to beat him. Don't worry. Um, no, he was amazing.
0: Uh, he he was,
2: and I, I, I ended up beating him. I think he had a, he had a knack in me, nothing about me, but I ended up, um, I ran behind him this day and I, I sort of, just as you come past the little past three golf course, I sort of snuck past him and I ran across the bridge. So I, I beat him for the first time and. I was pretty pretty proud of myself. I've just got over the cross, over past that line there, and Phil's come up behind me. He's grabbed me. I was only eighteen at the time, young kid. He's grabbed me around the throat and thrown me up against the fence and whacked me in the guts and called me a little prick and um and a few other expletives, which you can imagine what Phil said. Yes. And, and warned me never <laughs> to ever run behind him again and, and beat him in a race like that. Um, Interesting. So then we then we, then we then run the five k's back. Um, back to Phil's house, so it was ten k's every Friday we do. Um, so in the next week, you know, we take off again, running down this lane, and I tried to run past Phil at the start, and he started to kick me, and he started to throw his arms around and whack me, and <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't let me get me past this time. But, um, but no, he, he he was an amazing athlete, like he was. Um, well, they reckon so bit, that he could
1: yeah. have decathlete with a decathlete medal in the decathlon, like he held athletic records at Pembroke for thirty odd years.
2: So he was incredible. There's, I mean, he still talks. You no, know, as I said, referring back to last year when he spoke to us all, I think he, I think last year he broke the world record for an indoor ergo, um, or some, <laughs> some, there's some something online. So he's still an exceptionally fit, fit man now. But um, yeah, the Phil Carmen era w- was amazing, and it was actually '98, the year you t- you're referring to, yeah. Mowgli, where, where we, um, only lost four games for the whole Sorry, year, and um, yeah, yeah. it was those early days when. Um, Port Adelaide sort of they snuck through in, into the five that year. Their AFL players, yeah, I think they only had to play three games yes. to qualify. Back yeah, it was those three days. games, um, yeah. And so your Brett Chalmers, some young Burgoynes, um, you know, came back into their side, and I think they made fifth by on percentage and ended up coming through from fifth to make the grand final. And, and we'd beaten them all year, but they, it was yeah, they ended up knocking us off in the grand final. Um, but yeah, that was yeah, that was the year which we probably should have won. Um, then you sort of flip through to, to O2 where we hadn't beaten Centrals all year. Yeah. It's quite a remarkable year. Like ourselves, Sturt and Nord, uh, sorry, Sturt, Nord and Central's were the the three yep. best sides, beat everyone else easily. But Central's couldn't beat Nord, Nord couldn't beat Sturt, and Sturt couldn't beat Central's throughout the minor round. Um, and so it got to the grand final and we were definitely the, the major underdogs. I think mean, we'd lost to them four times, Central's, during that yeah. season. and um, so yeah, so obviously '98 we probably should have won, and and then 02 where we were the underdogs we did win. So yeah, we um, would love to have won a couple of grand finals, but yeah, to win that one in 02 was was amazing.
1: And pretty special under St- you know Sticks Sticks's influence in that year, mate. And yeah, Sticks,
2: I mean, Sticks, Sticks had
1: come like... from uni, so obviously it had a bit <laughs> to do with Sticks in that regard.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, yes, obviously that was Phil had sort of um, moved on and. You know, we had a sort of, you know, tough finish to the year before. And, you know, Brenton came in and, you know, Sticko was, uh, he, he probably just, you know, had got gotten us so far and, you know, just through pure effort and, you know, just in, inspiring us. And Stick's just added a little bit of structure and, you know, just a couple of those little things on the outside, the edges. And, yeah, yeah, he, he, was, he was great, obviously, to, you know, to work with us that year. And, um, yeah, it was an amazing feeling to win that grand final.
3: Obviously, uh, went through the tough times uh, early on with a couple of wooden spoons there. And yeah, to make a grand final and uh, just get pipped by Port Adelaide and then go on in 2002 and taste the ultimate glory. Uh, was it definitely the highlight of your career to that stage? I mean, obviously every, everyone plays for a premiership, but are there special moments along the way that you remember um, that sort of culminate in that grand final victory?
2: Yeah, I mean, n- nothing compares to that that moment when the siren went that year, like, and, and nothing before, nothing since. Um, Sporting wise, I should say, I, I better not mention anything about um, family and having babies, but um, <laughs> yes. it was pretty. We'll, was we'll pretty get to good. that. We'll get back between to. We'll the get three, to your test, Between the text three market, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty special, but um, yeah, and no, I mean, I mean throughout the career I mean the first game the first game's always an amazing thing Yep. I was a young kid growing up in in the SNFL and you know to play a league league game was just extraordinary for me and so that 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 memory of that first game down at Norlunga and I remember my first first mark and some someone from I can't remember who it was from South came and knocked me over and and, a, and Andrew Geddes who's you know one of those great guys through that period he went and just whacked him for me and said don't you touch that little fella again and he probably did that for the next ten years for me, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just yeah that first game was very special. Um, the first win, we beat West Adelaide the following year. You know, which I think I can't remember the actual number of da- games we'd lost in a row. Uh, I think it was in the thirties or forties. Yeah, um, I thought it was
1: in the thirties. Yeah, yeah,
2: that, but, but that, we beat West Adelaide at Adelaide Oval, and, and that was that was a, a great memory. Um, you know, then you know, there's milestone games, is the first final you play in, and. Yep. Yeah, I think, but yeah, nothing compares to that grand final. Um, you know, so late one, which I'm sure you'd remember, rule book, probably one of the greatest memories late in my career was, you know, as a team was winning the prelim final versus the Eagles for yeah. Nord in my in my second to last game when uh, we were out of the game of we probably. Oh, know, well, gone. Yeah, gone. And, you know, Nick Diger sucked that goal in late and. Yeah, that was what was a, ma- a marvelous moment for me late in my career to to win that one, um, to give myself another chance at a grand final the following oh. week. But um, yeah, the milestones, 100, 200, 300, were yep. amazing games. But yeah, like that grand final, nothing compares.
1: Okay, Tim. Now onto the really serious side of it with Bali. Um, I think we all from back here all thought, oh, geez, that's terrible, you know, and all that. But for me, it was almost like. A light bulb, it was smashing. Watching you run to Julie at the airport, now obviously knowing the two of you and knowing Julie for 40-odd years and all that, that really smashed home to me about it. And then I hit, you know, unusually for me hesitated for a long time. And we were doing an kick thing at Prince's. I could virtually go and find the blade of grass where I asked you, And I I was really nervous asking you, can I I ask you about Barley? And your response, your exact words were, please do, Malcolm. I've been encouraged to talk about it. And, yeah, so then we started and you said you'd written a book. I then went and got it in in our break. I'd read it that night. Um, And, yeah, the whole Barley bit, just unfathomable. We all up, but... That we spoke about it so much,
3: and so we'll fill in yeah. fill in some of our listeners that may yeah. not be aware of that. Obviously, the Bali bombings in two thousand and two, yep. Sturt were obviously uh, there on the end of season trip. Is that right, us?
2: Yeah, yeah, true. So I was, it was it literally uh, won the grand final on the Sunday, and and obviously been a school teacher. I party most of that week, and uh, we headed off to Bali on the that Friday night. Arrived sort of early on the Saturday morning. So what's that? Sort of five and a half, six days later, and then yeah. then the bombings. There was um twenty of us inside the Sari Club on that night, six days later after the grand wow. final. So, yeah, it was the shortest celebration of a premiership ever, I think. But um, wow. and, but I think as, as you touched base, on I think their mouthfeel in regards to, you know, obviously nine eleven had occurred, probably the first really big, yes, you know, terrorist attack, and you know, obviously massive. Um, hard to fathom then, but back in Australia, you probably didn't really know people. Whereas, whereas as yeah. you said, I think Bali for Australians, people had been there all the time or knew someone, or I think it was so much closer to home in regards to, to that is probably why it had such a big impact on people in Australia. And um, yeah, that's, that's, you know, as, as last year was the 20 years since that had happened. And um, yeah, it was obviously a horrible, horrible moment in our lives. And, and, you know, the footy club was, you know, I, I've said this from the start, the, probably the way I got through it was I was so so lucky to have so many people who came through with me from Sturt and then the support of a footy club. I hate to think of those people who were over there with just one or two friends and came back by themselves. So uh, I was lucky as were all the Sturt boys who came back to have so many great people and not just Sturt but the SNFL who supported us. And, yeah, it's obviously sad. Um, yeah, nothing you can will ever compare and you never forget it. Um, but yeah, we all we've all sort of um, you know had had lives since then, and yeah, it's a really horrible memory which we go back to. But that's that's um, part of our history.
1: But also with with that, Pete, that um, uh, Mocker Dunstan said because Josh Deegan's body got found just as Sturt were about to land, and said, "Look, we've got to get a, someone to speak." Mm-hmm. And Tim put up his hand to speak. Now we can sit here. And debate over who's a good captain, who's a good you know, coach. Yep. It's all bullshit. Where Tim displayed life and death leadership.
3: Yep.
2: And if- yeah, no, she was. Um, it was one one of those things that you know w- when we flew back into Adelaide, you know, a couple of days after it all, and um, I think I'd been in the mid, I'd sort of obviously just just won the McGarry Medal as well, and you know, I guess I was sort of in the media a little bit, and um, yeah, it was it was a pretty traumatic time, and. Yeah, just, I guess I was the person – I mean, I was only 24, 25 at that stage and probably one of the most senior players on the trip. We were all pretty young kids. And, um, yeah, I guess that was – that was I took on that role of trying to – yeah, I wanted people back in Australia to know what had happened. That, I guess that was the thing um, and still do want people to know. And yeah. so it's not, never forgotten. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was um, yeah horribly, horrible, tough, tough period. But, yeah, I think – we all, we all helped each other through, and, and we still do nowadays.
3: Was it a case of uh, absolute chaos, um, obviously trying to get information and friends, uh, family trying to get in contact? Um, yeah, was it, a, was it a, a state of chaos for you guys? Oh,
2: 100%, yeah. I mean, as I said, we'd only arrived that morning, um, so sort of the, the Saturday morning with the old Bali overnight flight, sort of thing, as, you, as you, you've all heard about. and um, As we are all young kids, you No, know, I think of our group of 20, maybe one or two blokes had a phone. Um, So there wasn't the technology you had today and Mm. um, didn't really know Bali at all. I'd never never travelled there by myself. I don't think anyone in our group had ever been there and um, you're obviously in the middle of a nightclub and and when the bomb went off um, we all pretty much got separated because we're sort of in different places of the bar and I I, I somehow managed to get out the front of the bar. Some guys went out the back and I ended up back at our motel um, ironically which which was lucky for me and Another player was back there at the time, and and his story is an amazing story. He left left the place uh, probably at half an hour before the bomb went off, feeling feeling sick, and he was in the second level of our motel room. And and when the bomb went off, he hit the roof, and all the windows came flying in. As a as just to describe, I suppose, wow. the power of the bomb that was sort of uh, from maybe 500 meters away from it. Um, but yes, yeah, so I ended up back at the motel and. The night was pretty much spent just sitting in the foyer, you know, trying to ring people back in Australia. Yep. Um, you mentioned Graham Dunstan. Like I rang my father, Mickey, back in Adelaide. Probably I don't know how long after the bomb was went off. He, probably, I still reckon he was probably one of the first people in Australia who ever he, even heard about it. Um, he then rang, rang Mocker and you know, those two guys back in Adelaide, along with lots of other families. Sort of, you know, phone calls over the next sort of 10, 12 hours. We basically we, we sat there ticking names off as we heard, you know. Some blokes were stuck down at the beach. Some blokes ended up at the airport. Some guys called us from random, you know, random motels around Bali. And, you know, I guess by about six o'clock the next morning, we'd sort of, um, you know, ticked off where most guys were. We knew, knew Julian Burton had been badly burnt, was in hospital. Um, we didn't know where Josh and we didn't know where Bobby were. And so it was one of those, yeah, like, do we want to get out of here? How do we get home? Ringing consulates. You know, just had no idea what to do. Like it was just, a, as you as you said, out of chaos. All the all the local people wanting to come in and see what had happened. All the people who were involved were trying to escape, and so it was just a backlog of people, and you literally couldn't move.
1: It's an incredible. Yeah, it's yeah. an incredible yeah. story, really. Yeah, it's still mind boggling. Um
3: yeah. Obviously, uh, Sturt being the wonderful club that they are, they obviously would have helped you guys out with counselling and and support during that time. Um, any comment yeah, I mean, on, on yeah, how, how they handled it?
2: No, definitely. Like, it was, I mean, amazing and, and tough for them as well. Like, you know, Brenton Phillips, first-year coach, just won a an premiership, and now he's got, got you know, 20 of his players, you know, going through an experience like that. So, um, yeah, like, it, 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 hard to describe. It was, yeah, they they did an amazing, amazing support for us, like a, I still think probably one of the best things we did we, when we got back may have been three or four months after we, we all when I say all of us the, the guys who, who came back and survived Bali we, we sat in a big room and had a bit of a round conversation and and for me it was great to hear someone else say that they couldn't sleep or that they yeah. sat themselves every time they heard a, heard a loud noise because you realise you weren't the only one and yep. um, I do probably think we should have done more group stuff um, they they did lots of individual stuff but to me, sitting with, with those boys and talking about it as a group, I think was, was more helpful for me um, to know that I wasn't the only one going through these stupid things, which which I thought, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a couple now that yeah, we know so, are still struggling, and really yeah, I think definitely. that's a pretty important yeah. point that that would have helped. Um, yeah,
2: so, and I'm sure the club would, would agree with that now, and think things have changed a lot, I suppose, in, in 20 years in, around those sorts of things, but... Um, yeah, no. The club couldn't have done anything more than what they did, and yeah, they're thankful for, for the support through that time. Weathers, well,
1: I remember ringing Sticks, you know, uh, when I was writing the article on, article on you, and asking Sticks, you know, how did you cope, Rebarley? And Sticks exact words back were, "Robbo, you're not given a coaching manual how to deal with terrorism." Mm. And I and I thought, geez, wow. that just nails it. Yeah. You know,
3: so. Yeah.
2: No, spot spot on. So it's um. It it was it was an un, probably may may never happen again. I don't know. I really hope yeah. I, I hope to God it never happens again to any yeah. any any sporting club. But um, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was definitely part of Sturt's history now. And um, yeah, they, they still uh, there's there's a um, you know the the club is and named after Bobby, and yeah, there's a reserve medal named after Deeg. So it's you know I played a golf day every year for Deegs and. The Cricket Club and Footy Club's played an annual game for Bobby. So, yeah. And
1: it's, I might point out – It's amazing. I might point out there, Pete, that Tim's probably the main driver of those functions too and the reunion each year and all that. Tim drives the bus for uh, for it, which shows his character as well.
2: So. Yeah, no, it's, it's – yeah, everyone, everyone supports it and, yeah, it's uh, – yeah. We just don't want it to ever be forgotten. Like probably the one thing which which I never get is you need to move on. That was one thing which we, we, we'll never move on through, and we don't want to move on from. And that's something which which um, yeah. sometimes annoys me when people say that that's probably the one comment I don't like. Or you need to move on from it. Or yeah, it's just, bullshit. Just get, yeah. get past it. Yeah, something some which and I don't want to not does, forget, not not remember it either. So
3: does it yeah. reignite when obviously it's brought up through the the news? I mean, obviously we're talking about it here in a fairly open forum, but. You know, obviously on the news um, you know somebody gets released that was part of that group does that does that bring up bad bad experiences for you guys or is it like no let's just heal knowing that that's going on and we'll move on
2: um yeah no every time i i, I do think about it or it's in the media it still definitely brings back pretty horrible memories and and i i openly have cried and and still do cry now about it um that's Sometimes it gets me. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, yeah, it's funny, is isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those things. But I mean, for the for the, I mean, I, I often talk about the story that when Rosie who was one of the main bomb, bombers, was in court, I had a cameraman following around for twelve hours because they wanted to see my my reaction when he was sentenced. Um, yeah. So we definitely the media was definitely all over, and yeah. and I was I, I was quite a big contact for it, and um, yeah, it was it was pretty tough during those early days for sure, and but yeah last year with the 20-year anniversary probably was the most media had been on it for a long time and yeah that definitely I I actually traveled back over to Bali which was which was great to go with my family and I guess from now probably the thing that rocks me more is is family and and seeing them get emotional about it as well so yeah no it will always be with me it'll always affect me and and that's that's just my life and 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 that's fine, mate. You're only human. You're only human, yeah, and yeah.
3: it's a it's a totally natural response.
1: And I will say, Tim's wife Marnie is one of the great people of the world, and uh, yeah, can't speak highly enough about Marnie either.
2: Yeah, no, it's um, well, that's like you know, well, on that, I guess twenty years late last year, got a little tattoo just sort of just below the heart there, just you know, live life with no regrets, and um, that's probably how my standard line, I suppose, since then is. Now that's we, we both, me and mine, both think that same thing that uh, you just got to live life. And I have ever since then. I've probably been flippant with my money sometimes, but you know, I never know what might happen tomorrow. So definitely, you know, my life motto's been to live life with no regrets ever since.
3: Mate, thank you for sharing that with us. That's uh, yeah, it's a uh, unbelievable story, and yeah, we we definitely won't be forgetting it and. Thank you for sharing that with us tonight but we've, we've got footy. to keep going with the footy that's exactly right I, I wanted to
2: That's right let's move on. Wanted so, to
3: jump on, on to footy. jump on that but no thank you for that but uh, obviously uh, a bit hard obviously with the premiership defence there and uh, the next uh, year or so uh, playing off the bench uh, became a bit frustrated
2: Yeah definitely it was one of those for the next couple of years you know it was you know you know true play play I was probably probably I felt close to my peak in that sort of in that period um yeah a few disappointments in regards so sort I of, didn't sort of didn't get get a state game and you know, I didn't get drafted you know fifth. you know obviously when you're a kid playing footy you want to play at the absolute highest level and um to not get to get that opportunity is probably one one of my regrets in the end and uh you can't do anything about that but I would love to have played one game of AFL and not been good enough or whatever but to not not get an opportunity is sort of as always a little bit frustrating and yeah, then I guess as, as the club changes, we went through a couple of coaches during that period, and um, I guess the game changed a bit as well, and I guess uh, probably for me, the main changing changing of, of, I guess, of my career was probably when Rick McGowan came on, involved in the club, and he had a different pathway for the club, which is, as a, as a coach, is his prerogative for sure, and I guess I probably wasn't, in his eyes, seen as, as part of his future, and the first year with Ricky, I sort of played probably, I think, every game off the bench and got to the finals and same sort of thing. I sort of felt I was contributing pretty well. and um, But, yeah, just sort of wasn't sure where I sat. Um, and sort of probably at the end of that season, um, spoke to Rick and sort of said, you know, I've had a pretty good career. I'm pretty happy where I'm at. Look, I'm thinking maybe, you know, if you don't want me to continue on, maybe I'm better off retiring and, and moving on from now." Mm-hmm. And, and he sort of encouraged, him, no, no, we really, really want you to play, and whatever, whatever. So I came back the following season and did the full pre-season and got to the first sort of trial game, and and he picked me in the reserves, and and I hadn't played reserves for 16 years at that stage. I was, as you spoke about earlier, like I was, I was very lucky as a player, injury-wise, I didn't didn't miss games and form-wise, I was pretty consistent. So from my league the debut in 1995, I, had, I hadn't played a reserves game ever since, um, and not not there was any issues with that. I. I if I had to play reserves, I would have. But um, after that sort of career, I was in my early 30s. Um, I sort of thought at that stage, look, I'd, I'd rather retire, you know, as a league footballer. And what I'd done, I, I was quite proud of. Um, so then I, I sort of told the club at that time that, you know, I felt I'd rather rather retire than, than to sort of spend my last few years playing reserves footy. And, and so that sort of was a really disappointing way to at the end the footy at, at, um, at Sturt. Um, I'd always, like any kid, I think you, you want to play at the same club your whole life. I'd up as a sturt person and um, and it wasn't to be for me, unfortunately. Um, so then I was a bit lost. I'd done a full pre-season. I was, got myself nice and fit, ready to play footy and I was at a bit of a loss. And uh, so I ended up playing um, a game over at Tumby Bay, of all things. That's right. Little yep. Michael, Michael Curtis, one of my yep. great mates, who's Tumby Bay lad. And um, he got me over there and... Um, he always says I got caught holding the ball about fifteen times that game because uh, I was too slow. He reckons, but um, <laughs> I tell him he, he was too slow to get to the right spot. But um, wasn't a greatest game for me, but it was good fun. And yeah, then it ended up, um, you know, as I said, didn't really know what what I was going to do. I was still working in Adelaide and and still loved my footy and had a phone call, quite a random phone call from um, Jack Cale, so who was down at South Adelaide in those times, um, and he sort of basically said to me, look. God loves you to, he reckons I was still good enough to play league football. And, you know, when someone like that says something like that to you, I think, oh, gee, that sounds good. Um, And so I ended up having a meeting with, well, I organised to have a meeting with Jack the following Monday down at Glenelg. Um, and I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I want to have a bit of a look at who's South, playing for South. And so I went out to watch South Adelaide play North Adelaide, of all things, at Prospect. So I sat yep. on on, in the outer, just watching those guys play, doing a bit of bit of research, have my meeting with with South on the Monday and um, the coach of Nord at the time, Trevor Hill Trevor was Hull. standing in the outer, um, and I knew Trevor just through through my work, through school, sport. He said, "What are you doing here?" And I said, sort i of said like, you know, I said I oh, just sort of think weighing up my future, or whatever." And and he said, "Well, would you be interested in coming to Nord?" And just off the cuff, and so you know, without going into it, long long story short. Um, yeah,
1: I want to get involved on in in yeah, here in a minute, yeah. Weathers.
2: Yeah, um, that that's that's sort of the, the short of it, really. And um, yes, I was working at, at Prince Alfred College at the time, so um, you know, Norwood obviously similar sort of area to Sturt, similar sort of values. I felt. Um, so South, at this stage, though, great, Pete, but it's just so far away.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so and I'll get club club songs pretty close killer. too. Yeah, no, no, and, now um, let's remember though, Weathers, we were doing SAPsaza together at this stage, and yeah, yes, yes, yeah. so he said. East Adelaide, yep. So, which we we did for a long time. We'll get to one of the winds on that as well during the the next bit. But so he said, right, Rob, well, what's your thoughts here? Take your Nord hat off, and I said, yeah, well, south, <laughs> and that. But then you, yeah, I said, Weathers, you've effectively answered the question yourself with the travel point. And I left that night, and I'm thinking as I walked there, walked out towards my car at West Beach. I'm thinking. I reckon Wethers will sign for Nord tonight. Walked in the next morning. Your first words were, "Hey, Rob, I signed for Nord last night."
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you, I, I, I must say, I, I I forgot about the old Sapsars thing, but you're right. Because I ended up having a photo at the Sapsars training, didn't I? I yes. The Nord jumper. So <laughs> yep. for a couple of the boys, but um, yeah. So long. Long, long story short, um, basically, as as a kid growing up, you just want to play league football, and you know, to get told you had to stop. Um, And then to get another opportunity, I thought, well, you know, some people never get one opportunity to play league footy. And to to me, to get offered another opportunity um, anywhere, I I think I would have taken it because I just love playing so much. And, yeah, I ended up being, you know, three of the greatest years of footy, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And um, Nord Nord became a great club. and, And Marnie, myself and the family, we feel we can walk into both clubs and, you know, are really proud of, you know, being involved with in both those clubs, and they're both fantastic clubs to me. And, yeah, those last three years at Norbert were
1: awesome. It was funny. So there was a lot of publicity, you know, ironically after Tim, Tim Jennifer was the previous one. Yes. With, with, uh, we interviewed Tim last week, uh, Weathers. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, with you playing your 300th. And now yeah, yeah. normally on a Saturday morning, we, you know, I was umpiring, you were coaching at Prince's, and, you you're know, a person of wishy luck. Know, for a game, yep. and it but it was still your release on a Saturday morning school sport before yep. before yeah, playing. Yep, I love it, yep. But that Saturday morning, every single person from the opposition, every opposition parents walking up wishing you luck, and I'm just watching you, and you you were taller than a Roman sandal, and I was pissing myself laughing. So <laughs> I started to give you shit about the pink publicity and that in the week, just to try and get you to laugh a bit, and yep. then. Back then, so the 299th game was was against Sturt at Unley, and then yep, the thre- yep. So your 299th, I reckon, I bought bought Lucy and Katie over to the rooms, and yep. then your three hundredth, and it turned out Weather's ordered the weather that day because it rained at, against at Albury. Perfect. And as you were getting cheered off, and the Nord crowd were chanting Timmy, Timmy, I thought, geez. This is a huge tick for Weathers and Marnie. How how quickly they've settled into the parade to be so to be so accepted, and it was a little bit unusual because Sturt weren't playing that day, so there was Sturt was open for Sturt guys to come into the rooms, and which is unusual, yeah, in, in most but, cases. So Bruce Lennon, there was Threaders. Trying to think, who else?
3: She's there. Sheeds, yeah, yeah, but
1: they were all quite nervous. They were just standing by themselves at the. And I went over to Beetle and said, "No, this is Weather's Day. Bugger this Nordsturt bullshit. Get in there." And then I brought Lucy and Katie in. Lucy ran up with a with the lollies, and that sort of broke the ice as well. And then, of course, that three hundredth that night was the Nord auction as well. So it became a Nord auction. T all three hundredth night and the Sturt guys to their credit bought a table and I thought that was fantastic that night as well. Weathers,
2: no, as I said, like they both both great clubs. You obviously, yeah, you always competitors on the field and you know I was I definitely didn't didn't ask those boys to do that and um, yeah that was real. I was really really you tickle pink to to have that support from those boys. Who I played obviously played you know. Over 250 games, probably 200 games, with some of them individually. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that that was amazing. That game down at Portlaoise, and we had a good win down there, which was always nice. And yeah. uh, um, as you said, it was nice and wet, so the ball was on the ground plenty of times for me to get a few sneaky kicks and kick it 20 metres. But um, yeah, I think uh, Brian,
1: the doorman, was a bit confused with who was coming in the in the door. And no, no, they're allowed in today, yeah, right? It he, was, was
2: gonna he wasn't going no, yeah. to <laughs>
1: let those dirt pricks in, no. <laughs>
2: But uh, no, no, that that was I get, you talk about memories, and of, of when you finish off in there, that was definitely one of, up there with one of the best playing that three hundred. Yeah, and, great though.
1: Yeah, I think
2: the way that way that footy's going, there may not be too many who get to play no, three hundred. So, um, there won't be another South. There won't
1: be another SANFL player. yep um, Yeah. So um, hope there is, yeah. but I don't think there will be. Um. Yep. So whether so the I uh, uh, the era under Bass at Nord. Yep. Go for
2: it. Yep. Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, I, I knew, as, as we spoke about earlier in, in the chat, like, I knew bass through cricket and cross paths just through having kids and whatever, and, um, yeah, so my first year at, at Nord was w- with Trev. Um, you know, that was, you know, we... we and again, you didn't
1: play and, a reserves game either, Weathers.
2: No, well, I was picked in the reserves yes. to play my first game. i would heard that. And um,
3: Gags. Did a
1: hammy, he didn't
2: you? Gallagher he? did his hammy, yeah. the old bugger, so... um I do mention that to Gags every now and then, but um, <laughs> yeah, so then I was, I got thrown straight into the team to play North, um, at prospect first game and yeah, so talking about the reserves thing, yeah, so I ne- never actually ended up playing a reserves game at North either, just was able to sort of sneak in and um, that was, I think it was about round, would have been about round six or seven, I think, yep. um, was that game and yeah, we, we ended up having a great year and you know, a young Taylor Walker
3: yes.
1: was
2: a pretty handy player during those periods and um, we stuck through into the finals and we beat Port in that elimination final. So I think it was the first time Norwood had won a final for, a, you'd be able to know better than me, Malky, but I don't think they had, had won a final for a few years. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was my first year there. And, and then, you know, Freddie, Nathan Bassett came in and you know, I'd never seen structure in football like that before in my life, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And, um, but in saying all that, that probably allowed me to play another couple of years because, you know, you know, you just got to play shorter periods on the field, and, and he managed that really well. And he he sort of trusted me a lot too, which was great. He he didn't um, expect me to change my style of footy, and and whatever he sort of worked my style into his style, I suppose. And um, I thought it worked really well, and and obviously it did for that period. And we had a had a great sort of couple of years. Well, great. Well, I only had the one year with him, but um. Yeah, it would have been the dream dream way to finish a year. I would love to have um, probably played. It It was one of those things as a as a, as a person, you know, at the end of that year when I'm plenty of footy guys have been to that period where you just I love playing the games, but you know, starting to get hard to get the training. Um, you know, and just sort of thought if I go one more year, you know, will I end up struggling and not and not be at the standard? So, and then uh, throwing in um, twins early being born the following year I thought yeah. "Geez, I don't know if I can I can do another year like this with four kids under five I probably haven't got the the real joy as much as I, I needed um and I always wanted to make sure I made that decision after that experience at Sturt to stop when it when it was my decision um yeah. so again no regrets I, I I made the right call when I did um but I could you could just see that Bass had those boys flying and uh, I knew they'd win a few flags, and in the upcoming years, and yeah, I just couldn't hang on any longer to get there. So,
1: Another... uh, had
2: one one great year with Bash. Um, nearly got there, as I said, that yeah. big Eagles in that prelim, and coming home against Centrals, and nearly getting there, and hit that bloody post for my yeah. last ever kick, which I'm sure you still talk about, Maiki. Will... I was about to bring that up. But... Um, yes. um, I knew you were going to bring it up, so I thought yes. I'd bring it up. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, but uh, yeah, Bash is an amazing coach, and obviously great to see him. Being successful now, and yeah, I still run into him, you know, at the girls' netball. I've seen him coaching netball of all things, Bass, too. So, yep, he, he just loves it. So, yeah, yeah, great fella.
1: Yeah, so that Pete, the uh, so Weathers has had a ping, and it was probably the longest kick of his of his career as well. And yep. it really looked like it was going through, and it just swung away at the last split second to hit the post.
2: With yeah, Paul Popolo was the bloke. Like so I'd, I'd launch one, I keep saying it's about sixty-five, but maybe <laughs> even seventy. I but, uh, James James Gallagher handled it out the back to me, and, and I let. We were seven points down at yes. the time, and um, and like like you, and I think like most people, and it looked like it was going through. And Paul Popolo, um, you know, he had a pretty fair career after that game. Um, he went to market and actually pulled his hands away, and it hit the padding of the post. Yeah. Um, Bloody Football Park had two big a post back then, I reckon. I still oh. blame that. But, um, but so, anyway, long story short, yeah, hit the post and put us six points down and then Siren went probably 30, 40 yeah, seconds later. Mark, um, Gunston
1: marked the kick out. Yeah,
2: playing yeah, for Central.
1: Yeah. So out of that though, Pete, um, I probably spent a fair bit of time with, with Marnie and the girls that night and uh, may have made my thoughts known about the ball hitting the post and uh, – I think it might have been Katie the next morning has repeated what I'd said and Marnie immediately yelled Malcolm. She uh, At least she didn't blame you. She knew it was me straight away, Weathers, so that was something. Yeah. At least...
2: <laughs> you can't get away with anything
1: there, Malcolm. No. Uh, and So too, there was one other funny moment, Pete, where Weathers has already had the two girls. He's Marnie's pregnant with twins. We've kept stirring Weathers up. It's going to be two more girls. And Weathers' text message, we'll change a little bit of it, Tim, was uh, ah, let it let yeah, it let it all out. All you bastards are correct. Yep, two more girls. How much do effing weddings
3: cost?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so no, I'm... so yeah, it was one of those stories. And um, yeah, four girls, um, wouldn't change anything now, but yeah, at the time, and and I still do cop a fair bit about it, but um. I keep telling that's because I'm an elite athlete. It's not that's true, right. But, uh, <laughs> that's always my comeback.
1: Oh well, it's true with the with a <laughs> bit with the girls.
3: Mate, so, you'll yeah. have to you'll have to put another bathroom on uh, <laughs> when they yeah, get well, a bit I'm, older. I'm there, saying, that's saying for right,
2: sure. I'm building, I'm building myself a new house at the moment. On, you know, and I don't think I've ever had to build a house based around four girls. You don't know how much <laughs> time in the bloody bathroom and, and how many clothes they have. Just, yep. just to see how much storage I've had to build.
1: I thought you'd finish that house by now, Weathers.
2: Well, I'm still trying to build the storage. Oh, the that's fair enough. Yeah, that's all right. I'm a couple. No, I'm a couple of weeks out now. So I'm nearly there. So
3: walking, walking robes. Uh, you know, you got to have plenty of them for the women.
2: Yeah, definitely. So Tim,
1: since footy, you've you coached, uh, you coached, uh, helped out with the Nord reserves and all that, and then eventually probably you're coaching and you were obviously coaching at Princes, but you decided to move to Darwin and ended up pretty heavily involved with women's footy. And yeah, just... no, it was one of those
2: things. I um, so I've obviously helped Nord through and – Ended up actually going to North Adelaide. Um, Josh That's Franco. True. I was um, trying to think. Yep. After, after his um, obviously footy career, he, he sort of moved into teaching. So he actually came and worked with me at, at um, PAC, of all places. And in during that period, that he just obviously was only there for maybe a year, I reckon. Then he got the job as a senior coach in North Adelaide and offered me to come and help him. And he said, oh, "Would you like to do that, or you know, there's actually in the under eighteen roles available too? And you can still work with me and." I sort of was keen to take on my own team at that stage. So, yeah, moved into North Adelaide and coached their under-18s for a couple of years. And, and that was probably when I sort of first started taking the footy a little bit serious And as, as a coach and lo- loved working with Josh that season and um, at, at North Adelaide, did a couple of years there. And, yeah, and then, as Malky mentioned, ended up um, probably as much of a life change as it wasn't necessarily for football. It was, you know, I'd, I'd worked at PAC for a long time and lived in Adelaide and we just wanted to live as a family in another state and yeah, Darwin was a good fit for us. I had um, you know, some family up there and in, in Jake, Jake's dad of all places uh, um, lived in Darwin and obviously other states you could go to, but you don't have the footy. Whereas Darwin, I knew had some footy. I could start, still do some coaching and, and teach and, and live a, a great life. And yeah, so I headed up to Darwin, coached footy for a little bit. And um, that was during the period where um, I guess AFLW was starting to take off, I suppose. And, through the affiliation with the NT in South Australia, that that first few years of, of the footy was yeah with, um, right. a That was the Crows and NT um, girls team was fun. that was sort of how the Crows was, was yep. founded, I suppose. And um, I was working with some some of the Crows girls up and down, and um, very very smart, I guess. By the Crows in the, in those early days, they wanted their girls to play more games of footy together. So with that affiliation, they formed this team called the NT Thunder, and we played a women's team in the VFL. Um, and I was sort of you know approached to to be the the head coach of that so I ended up coaching that team so each week I'd sort of coach the Darwin based Crows girls and some Darwin girls and in in Adelaide uh, Peter Cave and Andrew McLeod at that stage were were coaching the Crows girls and we'd fly into into Melbourne uh, on a Friday night there'd be five or six of the Crows girls and me and my Darwin crew and we get together on a Friday night, then we'd play in the VFL on, on that Saturday. And um, it, was, it was an amazing experience to, to do that. And, um, you know, long story, a couple of years later, I moved back to Adelaide and, you know, I stayed involved in that, with that Crows women's side and Maddie Clark took over the team in that year. And, and that was the year when we sort of went through, won the Premison, played in that amazing game at Adelaide over with that 50,000 plus, plus crowd. So, yeah, to be involved in that day w- was a great experience. And, you know, I guess that was almost when the the women's football really took off. And having four daughters myself, who who obviously love sport, and you know they all love their footy. And um, there's path yeah.
3: pathways there now for them, isn't there?
2: And there's legitimate pathways yeah. for them. And I guess through that period there, um, after the Crows, I, I was work, working down at Westminster School coaching their first eighteens. I didn't really have the time to to put in, to, into that role fully. And um, you got offered the opportunity through. Robbie Neal, another great Nord man. Um, great man. To work with work with the state under eighteen girls team, and so for the last four years I've I've coached that team, and um, obviously had a few issues with COVID and missed out a few carnivals and stuff, but that was sort of you know about only really a three month program through January through to April, and I was able to do, to do that and work with those these amazingly talented young girls, and and then still coach at Westminster without too much of an issue, and. Yes, yeah, so I've done that for the last four years and, you know, some amazing experiences just to see the development of the girls. You know, that, that first year I did it to so where we we're, we're, were last year when I finished, you just can't compare how, how much talent's coming through. And, um, yeah, r- really enjoyed that, that part of life as well. And, you know, last year, obviously, like any any good South Australian person, you like to beat the Victorians and we beat Victoria and ended up being the grand the for the national championships last year. And um, as a coach, that was pretty nice. Um, to do that and and sort of get named as the All-Australian coach was was a great honour for me last year in that women's space and um, unfortunately they've changed the program a bit this year and it just doesn't fit with with the school footy so I've had to sort of put that aside so just coaching at at, um, Westminster now in in the first eight in there which is also great fun but um, also helping coach my little twin girls there, 12, they're playing out of of the Marion Rams so I help, um, help coach out there and but like two older girls are playing at they've got Rams. So, um in the under seventeen girls. So still stay involved with the girls' footy, but um not at that at that sort of that, that state level which was really thrilling for a few years. Absolutely.
1: So Tim and I I think we did Sapsars together for about eight year around about the eight years and all that. Um so we, we did uh we it was funny. Yeah, the old out, East LA team. Yes. And I regarded that two weathers, every year we did it. We never had a discussion over who'd be captain. We always just walked towards each other and nodded. And the year with Luke Valenti, I think our first training was at four o'clock on a Wednesday, and I reckon it was about four o seven that we appointed him captain. And he was incredible. Every other year, I still did generally did the warm up with Luke. We just let him go mm-hmm. and let him do everything. And uh, and we. leader, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, he's incredible. And we and we won that year and. Let's be honest. Weathers and I were as pumped as the kids were.
2: Yep, yep, definitely. We loved it. Like and Lukey, yeah. Like I think it was the only, only year we ever had a post match celebration as well. That he, he organised that for us too. So, um, yeah, he, he was great. But um, I'm, I'm actually talking about that, Mac, I'm, I'm back back involved in the Sapsar as well. So I'm now coaching their little Southwest team. I reckon I might. I reckon I might. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I might volunteer to, her, volunteer to help you with that one. I reckon yeah. you need a runner. So, yeah. 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 We, no, we'll we have can a do chat. that so, yes. yeah, the
2: last couple of years I've done that and I've won it back to back. So, my little Southwest crew has been pretty good. So All
1: right. I'm, I'd, I'd love to get involved. Um, oh,
2: beautiful. We'll keep you in mind next year.
1: Yes. And so, um, with that and to the next year after we'd won it, we lost the first game of the Carnival where a player missed in the goal square with the last kick of the game to win us the game. And weather's there's an eye, just nodded towards it. Yeah. It ah, well, it happens. Sort of thing. Yep. Then we kept A winning. Bar, yeah. <laughs> well, then we kept winning the rest <laughs> of the week, right? And on the Thursday night, this particular pl- uh, youngster, young Perks, uh, walks towards uh, goes and asks his mum, "Have I cost us the championship?" And she replied with, "Do you want the mummy still loves you line or the truth?" <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's still always one of my favourite uh, ever footy lines.
2: So. Yeah, no, very funny. But um, yeah, no, the, 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 again, another great experience as a coach. The coach so young, young boys as well, the little little 11, 12 year old kids, and uh, yeah, that they love their footy, and, and that's always a great week to go and do that. And that was only that was only probably two weeks ago. Um, so yeah, still a great memory, and you know from that period like a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I should have put my hand up earlier. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Whether then, so summing up, let's go through your uh, hardest opponents.
2: Yeah, I mean Brett James in the early days when I was playing, it said he was he was he was a, a great great opponent. Um, you know, Kellan was Ian Kellerman in the in the middle of those centrals. Great, yep. he, he was a great player, and um, he he cost us that grand final my last game. Yeah. Actually, he was as a player, but he also cleaned up flipper. Yes, the world, but, um, yes. But he, he he was a very very good player. Very good player. Jeremy Clayton probably yep. one but, but um, I, I found him when he was at Port A to be a really yeah, for a little fella he's such a strong overhead mark and um yeah so, so they're 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 three off the top of my head. Um who yeah, he really guys are played re- regularly as well. Like, you know, Sicoletta was a great player through that period when I was playing as well and you know, I saw the Gowans boys plenty of times and they were they were they were tough and, you know, very talented players too, so Lots, lots of one-off players, you know, guys coming back through the AFL who you stood every now and then, and you know, but 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 those ones who you played regularly, you know, you always knew you're up for a tough game against those guys.
3: What about favourite teammate?
2: Um, oh, too Batman many to know. Oh, me and Batman, I was Batman well, I was Robin, and Ben Nelson was was Batman for a long period yeah. there. So, um, yeah, Benny Nelson, we played as kids as well. So yeah. he obviously moved to Carlton for a little bit in the Crows and. But yeah, he, he was—he was always a great, great team out of mine. Probably, you know, obviously we had a really good core group of players. I've sort of mentioned a few of them. You know, your you Brodie Atkinson was great when he came over, and Damien Squire, I mentioned Bruce Lennon, Andrew Geddes, Chris Redgold—an amazing captain, leader, and, and great person around the club. Um, Andrew Geddes, you know, yeah, just some some great players, pure talent. I reckon the most talented I played was was Damien Squire. Um, he was—he was a freak. He was. Was lethal left leg. Lethal, yeah. You know, he's won three, three McGarry's, Um, you know, could have played a lot more all like I'm sure a lot of people say. But yeah, he he was was a great teammate to having your team as well.
1: Now I reckon Weathers, we'd both be shot if uh, we didn't give a certain person, your who's a huge influence and lover of the Weatherald family and uh, Emma Jade Haynes a mention, mate. We'd both be in trouble.
2: Yeah, I know she'll she'll be she'll hear about this. Yes. I Messing me today. So, you, yeah, Emma, she, she's a great lady, great Lord person. And, uh, yeah, we, me and Marnie are actually really honored. We, we were named to be a godparents to one of her recent set of twins. And, um, yes. Yeah, so still great, great, great family people. And um, I know her oldest Is at the State of Origin tonight. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, make sure we, Emma, she's a ripper.
3: We'll tag her in, in, in yes, the yes no, uh, we'll promotion. Do First. Don't worry, I'll do yeah, that. No, don't worry, <laughs> we'll do that.
1: Look, Tim, privileged to have you on, on board. As I said, i uh, been involved with you for a long time and that um, remember also that umpiring bit down at Prince's where uh, you wonder what the hell I was doing at three-quarter time and I ran to my car and got a shovel out. And got dug a shovel,
2: a, that was very concerning. A Yes, um.
1: and ran back to the <laughs> middle because uh, a, a duck had worked its way to the surface, a dead duck. Oh, no. And I said yeah. to Weathers, well, I reckon I'm probably the only out. person here who would have had a shovel in the car. And he said, yeah, that's fair point. <laughs> so,
0: yes. That's yes. a beauty.
2: Yes. Yeah. So, nah, really wrapped to
1: have you on board, nice. Weathers. And uh, thanks, Marnie, yeah. for her friendship over the years as well. Thanks, mate.
2: Nah, no, thanks very much for the invite, guys. It's always great to talk footy. And, uh, yeah, i never never grow grow tired of talking about it. So. Great to hear from your lads, and yeah, all the best and good luck with the show.
3: Thank you very much, Timmy. Much no appreciated, guys. mate.
2: Cheers, guys. See you, mate.
3: See ya. mate. We've just been speaking with Timmy, and obviously, uh, early on in his footy career, uh, didn't uh, was starved of a little bit of success, but ultimately got the success in two thousand and two, and then didn't get to celebrate it like most premiership yeah. players would. And wow, what a story about the Bali bombings.
1: Yeah, look, I admit it's something I struggle.
3: Oh, look, about. I was um, welling up myself, going, you know, this is just an amazing story, and just to hear it is just uh, crazy.
1: Uh, there's things which there's other things which can't come out, and it's yeah, it's um, it's well, still amazing.
3: We talk about the uh, mental health space quite a bit on this program, yep. and you know, twenty years on, even Timmy's oh, yeah. sort of saying that you know it's something that they don't want to forget, but no. they aren't going to move on from, unfortunately. And it's no, it, it's it's a, it's a tra- tragedy that shouldn't have really happened. Yep. Oh, Timmy, Timmy's career obviously finishing up at Norwood and and uh, under Bass and and Trevor Hill cutting uh, John Cale's lunch was an interesting story that I'd actually uh, didn't know. So yeah, was that good. was a bit of fun towards the end there as well.
1: Yeah, look, and his three hundredth, I'll be, on, you know, that was pretty pretty special. That you know, there I was to take his kids in the rooms yep. as well. So I had his kids on the boundary line, and um, it's obviously a pretty big connection with Tim, and I was probably his main connection with Norwood. Yes, or one of, you, know, you obviously still knew guys at Nord as well, and yep. yeah, so that was you know pretty special, and yeah, just two thousand and ten, we were a breath away.
3: Absolutely.
0: You're listening to the Game On podcast.
1: We'll be right back after this short break. <laughs>